0: And welcome to the broadcast. I'm your host Maggie Cavanaugh, keys to your best life, and I am here with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. And this woman is—I when I first met her, I was like, oh my goodness. I cannot wait for the interview because hell, she has been through it and she is helping others overcome it. She is an advocate whenever it comes to fraud and scamming and all of the different things out there. She's been seen on, oh my gosh, the list is so long. It would take the whole broadcast. I mean, CBS This Morning, Oz, iHeartRadio, CBS, you name it. She's been everywhere. And I am so grateful because she is sounding the alarm. She's sounding the alarm that there are Fake dating, weird stuff going on out there. She's sounding the alarm. There are predators after our kids. She's sounding the alarm that there are hurt people out there that are constantly, all day long. That's their goal is to hurt us with their uh, their spamming and their cruel words and things like that. But more importantly, God is using her story to help the multitudes. And if you have gone through something that has beat you down with shame, and your family's been on to you about, oh, well, you should have known better. This is a broadcast you want to share. You want to get it out to your friends and family and coworkers that might have gone through something similar. None of us are um, you know safe out here anymore on the internet. So we have to be informed. So Debbie, welcome to the broadcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Maggie. This is a very fun topic for me.
0: Yes, it is because you have literally, you know it inside and out and uh, she, you know, with the founding of your organization, which is a 501 C3 y'all, you need to check it out. I'm going to put the links in the chat stream and in the show notes so that you can go back. I want you to go to her website and find out the resources and the things that are out there. But Debbie, can you give them a little bit of background of how you got started in
1: this industry? Absolutely. And, And I didn't ask to get into this industry. This, this fell into my lap. And this is one of those things where your life is rocking along and you think it's great. And I have, I was married almost 26 years. I have four wonderful children. Things were going well. And one day I was at a meeting, I turned my phone off uh, in the break that I went to check messages and I had my phone had blown up with, with calls. And I picked one up from my oldest son who was only 23 at the time. And he said, mom, dad just died. I let that sink in. He goes, I'm coming home to take care of everything. Well, I, my husband hadn't been ill. He had diabetes. It was under control. He had left the day before to go. He had a race car. He was taking it over to get it tuned up for a big race. He left. I gave him a kiss and I said, I'll see you tomorrow. This is a Wednesday, Thursday morning. I got that phone call, which I call the call changed my life and I never saw Lou again. My, he died on the, on the West coast of Florida. My parents just happened to be about a half an hour away. They took care of everything over there. Uh, My kids did fly in from all around the country. uh, But I did not want them to take care of everything. I was the parent. I wanted to make sure being a self-sufficient resourceful person. I was, I went into fix it mode and said, okay, we're going to have this. We had a huge memorial service for Lou. He he had had an extraordinary life, uh, but he had a bad heart. And it was one of those things that you can't prepare for. And I got thrown into running his company, which I knew nothing about. It was a vitamin supplement company for diabetics with neuropathy. I don't have neuropathy. He does. He did. He had diabetes. I didn't, Uh, but it paid the bills. My job as the school was to bring benefits in. I had insurance as a treasurer with a school district, but his job provided (laughs) for the family. So I had to learn how to run his company. I had to keep my own job so that I would have the benefits. I took care of all these things. And of the four kids, I only had one left at home. He was 15 and darling young man. And I just said, you do what you do. You get school, you have football, you do your thing. I'll take care of everything else. And it wasn't that I was ignoring him. I was just busy. And I I look back now and I was so busy and this is the problem when when in our lives right now is that I didn't take the time to really grieve Lou passing. I didn't have time. I had to run his business. And so I would get four hours at night by myself between like midnight and four a.m. get into bed after everything was over with and I would just I would cry. I got mad at Lou for dying. I was like, he didn't leave me the passwords to his his stuff on his computers and I was just at a loss in so many ways, but I couldn't show anybody that I had to have that, you know, that perfect persona that we all try to portray. Nobody knew I had those, those cracks. And it was only when someone asked me how I was that I really fell apart. Like, Just don't ask. And so six months after Lou died, company was rocking along. I'd figured it out. I realized that I, I was making more with the business than I was with the school district. So I really, I left my school job. So I wasn't completely overwhelmed. Uh, but my friends were like, well, you need a life. You have to do something other than work. Hmm. And I, I was 52. I didn't drink, didn't smoke, didn't party, didn't go out that way. Had a lot of friends and was very active at church, whatever, but I just didn't do that. And I also didn't fit into the groups anymore it's interesting, especially when you're in a family organization, family church, and all of a sudden you don't have your family. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to be called single. I didn't feel like I was, I didn't like the word widow. I couldn't, didn't fit into the family groups anymore. I felt a little uncomfortable. And and honestly, this is a funny thing is even some of my friends I'd known for years said they didn't really want me to be spending time around their husbands who were my husband's best friends. Because now I was the single one and I'm saying, you guys, I've heard about your husbands for 25 years. Why would I want to do anything with them? And so it was a very awkward place for me. So my friends said, try online dating. It's safe. You can do it from the security of your home, which that part did seem right to me. did seem safe because I I'd been married for almost 26 years. I wasn't ready for a relationship in person yet. But I did want to start a dialogue with somebody. I wanted to be, have someone as a confidant, and then work into. And I went into it with the with the feeling that everybody is a good person here. My mom had her best friend had met you know a man that she ended up marrying. Everybody I talked to had had really good experiences online. I went to a faith based website, thinking I'd meet some really nice men. That was my first mistake, was just trusting, and you brought this up earlier, trusting the online platform. But it was the only thing I had. So I dipped my toe in, and I put out a profile thinking, OK, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be honest about who I am, and you know that I've got children. I've got a th- things that today I would probably not put out there. Uh, but I did find that there were so many men out there that couldn't write worth beans. <laughs> i say you can't write any better than a fifth grader. And they showed up these, I was looking about 55 to 62. They showed up with these wife beater t-shirts, what I call them, you know, <laughs> and nothing against, you know, nice t-shirts or motorcycles, but they just weren't the kind of guys I was looking for. And the ones that I did meet, they lied about their age or their height or these simple things. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what am I getting into? until i got contacted by a really nice looking man he was from london international contractor i'm thinking international is good i've done a lot of traveling he had lost his wife another good thing not that was not that that was good but i did see a difference between the attitudes of the guys that had been widowed versus the guys that had been divorced there was no excess nasty baggage that was coming along and it just We could relate because they understood that I went through. I understood what they went through. So I started this dialogue on the website with this handsome Brit. He was well-educated, wrote well, had a nice young son who was living with his sister. He was a contractor that actually told me he was in Houston at the time. So I was like, okay, I, I did my due diligence. What we didn't talk about is I had a background as an Air Force intelligence officer. I was a senior brain manager for a company a bank that's gone out of you know banks change hands but anyway this is 10 years ago i had had legal experience so i had a really good experience and could verify some of the things that he was telling me or not he told me the company he worked for and it was a, an international company that worked with hardwood trees well unbeknownst to him I had some investments in trees, in teak trees in Costa Rica. So I looked up the company that he said he was working for. I even called them because he took me to their website. It was a great website. I called them and I said, hey, do you have a contractor named Dr. Eric Cole? And they said, no, we don't. So there was my first, okay. I went to him and I said, why aren't you listed in the company? And the answer was... I'm independent, I'm an international contractor, and I don't work directly for them, I work with them. So that was the beginning of the, Anytime time I had a question that I couldn't get a positive answer to by on my own, I would ask him and there was always an answer, always a plausible reason why I couldn't find the answer myself. Again, I went into this fully trusting that he was an honest business guy, looking for a family, looking for a life. And I got surprised, but I went into it just to have fun. It was one of those things when at 52 and you get thrown back into putting yourself out there, all those feelings, good and bad, that I had when I was 16, not smart, you know, back then it was not skinny enough, not pretty enough, not, not all these enoughs. And I'm thinking, Why am I having these feelings? I've had an extraordinary life. I've done some great work, but it's the inside, you know, those limiting beliefs that came out. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And when I had someone that was contacting me and he was just kind and talking to me, like I was valuable and that I was lovely. And that this was going to be fun. Then the endorphins just took over and the, you know, just the love hormones were like, this is wonderful. So if you think about it, anybody who's been married more than a week realizes that it's tough work being married. It's worth it, but it's tough. And there are times when you don't get listened to. And I didn't like contention, so I just kind of took it. Uh, And for 26 years, one of my friends later on said, Deb, if you look at yourself like a piece of Swiss cheese, you had this big hole in you that hadn't been listened to. And I was like, well, that's true. So over the course of my two-year relationship with, online relationship with Eric, he listened. And he would write back and he would send me poems. He would send, you know, we would share music. And over those years, that hole just filled up. It was extraordinary. It was extraordinary um, opportunity for me in one respect. In the other respect, as I'm sure your listeners will will have come to the uh, knowledge of why we're on the show, is that it fell apart in a big way after two years. And I don't know if you want me to get into that part, but it was the two years that we were in communication, we had the ups and the downs, like any relationship. He never got here because he was on a job. He left Houston and he went over to the Far East. And he was on a job moving some trees from the Malaysia to India. I understood as a business person that sometimes you don't get paid until after the work is done. So he had he was planning on a big payoff. And it was, when was it going to get here? How are we going to get it here? And the things that I helped him with were more from a business point of view. Uh, he didn't have access to his money. I loaned him money so that we could expedite his job so that it would come home to me. It's supposed to be over with, you know, within months. And one thing after another, it just kept getting delayed. There were these uh, conflicts with customs, with tariffs, with things that I knew about, but I didn't know exactly how things happened on the international platform. My company doesn't really deal internationally. I could understand some of the things. And then, and then partway in, I'm thinking, okay, I've sent him, quite a lot of money. But I can't stop. I can't just walk away right now. Because if I do, then I'll definitely have lost everything that I've helped him with. Just one more time, one more time. And it's interesting, I've learned a lot over the years. And I I do work with a nonprofit now called SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, we call what what I was doing, um, it's basically chasing the money. And you hear it with Anybody that's gambling or looking to have the payoff, it's like just one more time, one more time. Yeah. And then that one more time either doesn't come and you lose big, or it. Let's put it this way: in this case, it didn't come. Um, so it's it's tough. It was it was extraordinary on one side, the ups and downs. I think it was two years of therapy. Although one of my friends, whose husband is a therapist, said I could have done it a lot cheaper. <laughs> And what happened to you., uh, but it was a way for me just to express, you know, in the written word, those of you that like to write, I have four thousand pages of journal of, from those two years, because i I kept copies of I cut and paste every message that we sent to each other, every email, I put it into an online journal because I thought I was creating family history, and that it would be a great love story in the end for the kids. And so I was able to write how I felt. And uh, I asked questions about my company. And we, we talked about business plans. We talked about all these things in addition to our future and who we were, you know, who our families were, what had happened. It was extraordinary dialogue for two years. Uh, and then that one day came, and I think I might have told you about it, where he came online early in the morning. And again, this is back in 2012. 2010 to 2012, and we didn't have FaceTime. There was Skype, but Skype, as he told me, in the, in the Far East, the connection was bad. So again, I, I believed him, I trusted him. They came on, we were on Yahoo Chat, and he came online and said, how do you feel about forgiveness? I thought that was an interesting topic. We discussed it for hours. You know, I put on my spiritual hat and pulled out my scriptures and we talked for hours. We got disconnected, which wasn't unusual. And he came back later on that day and he said, can we revisit what I asked you about this morning? So we did. And then I finally said, did I do something wrong? Why are we talking about forgiveness? And he said, Deb, I have something to tell you that I know is going to hurt you. And at that point I'm thinking, you don't need to hurt me. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) And he said, I have a confession to make. And when I heard that, I had had that one time before in my 26 years of marriage, and it wasn't very positive. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what's happening now? And he he came he continued. He said, I have to confess that this has all been a scam. Now I'm reading that I'm looking at dual screens, pictures of my my handsome Brit, and I'm thinking you're sick something's happened. You're under duress. I don't believe you. You're lying. Prove to me that this has been a lie. And he said, on Yahoo chat, there is a camera function and I'm going to come on live. And I'm thinking for two years, I asked you to come on live. So again, imagine my dual screens. I'm looking at my handsome Brit and up pops this small camera in the corner of my screen. And I see this young, dark haired, dark eyed, dark skinned young man with a big smile on his face. And it's like, I hit a brick. I ran into a brick wall and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do? And it was a gift from God that in an instant, my heart was disconnected from my head. I picked up my phone and I took a picture of him. It's the only picture I have of the real man. And I actually put it in my book. His name was Joseph. It wasn't Eric. Joseph was from Nigeria. He wasn't from London. And he wanted this to continue. And I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? He's, and then he goes, Is it because I'm young and black and I'm thinking, well, no, probably not. I said, you stole a million dollars from me. And that's when I hear the audience just suck up. Go, oh. Here's the thing. I didn't have a million dollars in the bank. I, over two years, Eric had become my family and I would do anything to help my family. I found the money. I sold jewelry. I sold, uh, some investments. I had, I sold gold, I sold, I, I, I took loans against my retirement accounts, you know, thinking that I have a certain number of months before I have to repay this. So I don't get any penalties. All these things I had done to help him, to help his company, the business, and the worst part for me because i i I really feel that in the end my last suit has no pockets i can't take any money with me but i asked my mother and father at the end for money hundred thousand dollars i never would have done that thinking that this was not real right and the only thing that i really was heartbroken about at that point was how was I going to f- fix this and pay my parents back? They're in their eighties. You know, I tr- they trusted me, I trusted him, dominoes fell. And I was just, I was so distraught. But then part of me is like, well, you watch a lot of TV, you work with the FBI, keep him engaged so that you can catch him, okay? That's what my thinking was. So we hung up from that conversation. I knew I would be in, touch with them again. I called my parents and I said, this is what had happened. They came right over the next day. We took my 4,000 pages of journal, my three ring binder. I had extraordinarily accurate documentation over the whole thing. We went to the FBI here in Palm Beach and the FBI said, well, first off, Deb, more men than women get scammed for a million dollars in Palm Beach and would never tell about it. I was like, well, that's interesting. Second, they said, well, you've been a victim. And as soon as they heard that, I'm like, mm, I, I don't want to be a victim, but I'll listen. And then they said, unless you can get him here to the United States, there's nothing we can do. And I'm thinking, but you're the FBI. Nothing. And they said, we're really sorry. We're really sorry. You can just report this to IC3.gov, and you can report it, but there's nothing we can do unless you can get him here. Well. All the men in my life that heard about this, the, the only thing they wanted to do was fly to Nigeria and get him. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're not gonna do that. I've got a lot of pilots in my family. So we're not doing that. So in that moment, I came home and I just, that's where the woman behind the smile came from. I just put up that smile, that facade of, I'm okay. I'm gonna be fine. I never told anybody what happened. My friends were thinking, where is he? What happened? And I said that oh, just didn't work out. And they're like, over oh, two years it just didn't work out. I wasn't gonna tell them what I'd done. Are you kidding? I was gonna make it work. And my parents became my absolute best confidants and they were there to hold my hand. Uh, I didn't tell my children even for a quite a long time. And that's the problem with, with online fraud and people being taken. I don't even like to use the word scam because people don't people think scam is just, you know, nothing. It's fraud. It's a band of uh, organized criminals. They're criminals that are are taking the heart and the finances from really, really good people around the world. And it happens every single day. And the reason we don't hear about it is because the victims don't want to talk. They don't want to tell anybody. Because as you said at the very beginning, when you start to speak up, people People just denigrate what you went through. There's such victim blame and shame.
0: And yes. honest
1: to goodness, nobody had to blame me more than I blame myself. Exactly. That happens to all of us. No matter what we've done in our life, everybody's going to have something happen to them that they're not happy about, they're not proud about, they're ashamed of, they're you know vulnerable to. And the only thing that I did wrong was say yes to that friend request, or yes to that dating request, Uh, any of our, our victims, survivors that have been taken in anything. The only thing we did wrong was say yes to that because the scammers they're, like I said, they're trained, they're university trained fraudsters. They know the, the psychology of the scam. They know the art. They are true salespeople because all they want is your money and they know how to get it. And it's called grooming. Once you have accepted what, you know, accepted the friend request, and over time you get love bombed, you get all these things, which get your hormones going. And then they isolate you from your family, they isolate you from your friends. They don't want anybody around that's a naysayer. And of course, I'd been, you know, I lost my husband. I was home pretty much alone most of the time. I had an internet company, I wasn't around people. He became my lifeline. And I listened to him because I had no reason to not trust who he was. Right. That's what happens, and it's happening every day to not just 50 and older women. It's happening to our children. It's happening to our millennials. Uh, and and that could be a whole nother show. What's happening with our young our young adults yes. and yes. The, the cryptocurrency and the love bombs? It's actually called pig butchering. I want your audience to to look at that. That's what uh, these new cryptocurrency romance scams are being called. Basically, you're, you're bringing them in, you know, you're know, you fattening up the pig and then boom. And what's amazing is that what took two years, in my case, is happening in four, five, six months. They've upped their game. They are so expert in what they do. It's not a group of young, young men sitting around in a cafe. You know, they used to call them the Yahoo boys. You get this idea of this unorganized group guys with of guys with laptops sitting in a cafe somewhere. They are not. They are well-trained, and they're around the world, and they're hurting people every single minute. And I spoke up because it took a couple of years, but I was at a meeting with a women's group down here in Florida. It's called Women's Prosperity Network, and I'd gone to speak about my business. Because here's another thing. When you get thrown into a company and you're running this company, that your husband started, it was his company. But I got to a point where i had had it longer than he had. So I thought you got to figure this out because it's not Lou's company anymore. It's your company. What are you going to do? And so I went to speak about that. And one of my friends at lunch mentioned online dating. And then she said, I rolled my eyes at her and she goes, yeah, what story is that? I told her the story. And she said, you have to tell. I'm like, oh, no, I will never tell anybody else that story. And she looked me in the eye and said, Dub, my mom was taken for $80,000 and never told. And then another girl came over and she goes, I was in a Ponzi scheme not once, but twice. And then another had been engaged to a guy. They were going to get married and it turned out he had a family somewhere else. So I'm hearing about all these women that had had these things happen and nobody was speaking up. And I'm like, that's it when I realized that I had to get to a point where this wasn't about me anymore. It was about the woman out there that is feeling alone. The same thing happened to her. And I remember I remember speaking uh, the first time about this and I was looking out at the audience and there was, there was this one lady out in the front row and she was giving me what I call the stink eye. It's that, boy, you are really stupid. Why in the world did a woman like you get taken for that? I'm thinking, okay, I can stop right now because I'm getting that reaction. Or I looked at the woman beside her who was bobbing her head up and down. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, Deb, that's who you're talking to. That's your audience. Yes. There's so many of us that have had something happen, a miscarriage, a divorce, or whatever, that you're feeling like you're the only one that's ever gone through it and you need to have someone hold your hand and realize you're not alone and by speaking up i knew that that was going to be my role now Mm -hmm. that regardless of what the naysayers or the trolls or anybody else out there has said and continues to say to me it's not about them it's about that one girl that writes to me and said i heard your story i wish i had heard it before dot 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 wow now she's in the middle of a you know, it has just been taken in a scam and in this fraud. And that's where I, I find great power from within to know that by speaking up and being the voice of not the victim, but the survivor, the thriver. And now as an international advocate, it's incumbent upon me to use what I've learned might take my pain to make it my passion and my purpose. And I appreciate you, Maggie, and, and everybody that's had me, you know, on, new, on the news, on wherever, wherever I can show up, because it takes more than me to talk about this. Yeah. And I know people are there going, oh, it never happened to me. I'm like, I hope it never happens to you. But 60% of fraud happens to people. And it's usually someone in their family that's done it. So don't think about this hurting you, that you're not going to be scammed. You're not going to fall vulnerable to that. But what about your mother or your father, sister, mother, your kids, your grandkids, someone is out there looking to take advantage of you and your family members everywhere. And it's not just on online dating sites. I work with women that were taken on words with friends, married women, that were playing a word game online. Married women. One girl is in Vietnam. She was on a translation site. There was an English man that was coming to Vietnam, wanted to learn some of the banking lingo so that he could do some business there. It was a scammer. She got sucked in. She was put out of her home. That was a cultural thing. And until she got involved with our support group, her husband didn't want anything to do with her. So it's not. Desperate, lonely, sad women sitting in the middle of nowhere. It is doctors, lawyers, educators, teachers, I mean, teachers or educators, but well-trained, well-educated men and women that are getting taken advantage of daily and won't speak up because they're afraid they're going to lose their licenses. They're afraid they're going to lose their friends, their families, everybody. But I want them to know they are not alone. Unfortunately, they're in a really good group, uh, but we need to raise the bar here on yes. being aware of what is out there and protecting ourselves online.
0: Wow, Debbie, I'm just so blown away. You know, I even knowing your story and just hearing it again reminds me of just how none of us are, I mean, we're all susceptible to this. Deception you know there has to be a little bit of truth somewhere in there something for people to fall for it you know that lie and so forth and so when people are telling you you know you're beautiful and you're smart and you're funny these are all facts and truths okay and so it kind of pulls that person in to believe the rest of it and if you're watching this and you, and i know i've delete 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 you constantly you get all of these friend requests on Facebook. And they're always usually a military man and sometimes with a kid. Uh-huh. or they're like a man of faith. And I'm like going fake, 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 fake. What is that how this type of stuff starts with them sending these little messages? Because I get these messages all the time. You're beautiful. And, and then I get messages where people just flat out going, you know, because we have a ministry and, and, and they're like, you know, we've got starving kids, you know, can you help us? And there are, a, it's all awful because there are legit needs out there. But how do you recognize those things, Debbie?
1: You know, it's very difficult because, again, they are very well trained in what to do now, the military pictures, absolutely a dead stop. The military guys are not going to be on those sites. They're not going to be asking for money. They are not going to be right now. You know, during war, I've got kids that are active duty military. I was active duty Air Force. We will not ask you to send a phone. We will not ask you to send us money so that we can get a, a plane ride home. We will not do that. We will. Right. So there are telltales tell there. The, the military, the guys that are on oil rigs, um, there are stories, doctors that are with the UN, or those are all scammers. Okay. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. However, here's the reason that, that those work because we're not just looking at scam, at fraud in America. There are women that are in the Philippines that are in Malaysia that see an American in a uniform, and that is who they trust. They fall in love with that guy. I interviewed a woman yesterday from Finland, her scammer, it is not a he, it is a they, but the picture used by the scammer was an American general. Check the pictures out. You know, they are doing that. They are pretending to be men of faith very first thing that my guy said is, I am a man of faith. I'm a man of God. I was on a faith-based dating site. I'm thinking, how could I get taken by these guys? And they are preying on our love of God, our vulnerabilities, our love of humanity, our families. They are preying on our good hearts. Wow. And no matter how well-trained you are, at some point you're going to get that amygdala hijack and your your heart's going to rule your head and they know that it's just a matter of time and it's usually like less than two weeks so i used to say if you haven't seen the whites of his eyes in two weeks it's a scammer until i met some women that had been scammed in person you know engaged to men in person and then they had con men issues uh but if there's a if there if it sounds too good here's here's what i always say to them get a dating buddy If you're out there, you don't need to put that you're single, because if you're on a dating site, you better be single, you know, don't put that you're a widow or a divorcee because they're looking for that. They're looking for brand new women to show up that are widowed or divorced, because again, they know they got you. They know what to say. They know what to do. Um, The ones that are out there, I I get, I've interviewed a lot of people for my show, the stand up and speak up show uh, that are working with kids in Africa after those shows air i get so many requests and i'm looking i'm going okay i see your friends with so-and-so and and i interviewed them but do they know that you're probably a scammer right we don't need 5 million followers or facebook friends because only 20 of them are going to see what we're doing anyway and the thing that the scammers can do is is say you have an organization and you're a public Facebook. Or you have a, a private group, for instance, that maybe is women. Well, they'll pretend, pretend to be a woman and get themselves into the group. Then they become a mutual friend. And so those of us that are trusting think, well, if they're a mutual friend of Maggie's or Keith's or whoever, then they're probably a good person. Yeah, click, bring them into my, into my group. Well, don't do that. Look to see, who, look at their pictures, if they have any. Who are their friends? Look to see when they put themselves on the on the site. If they're in a military uniform, absolutely reject it. They, right. Like, Get out of there. You know, it and that I've done interviews about that too. We call it stolen valor. You
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: those are yeah. and here's the other thing: is if you're in those relationships, if you see those things, realize those pictures have been stolen. Yes. So now we have impersonation issues. There's, you know. I've interviewed folks where a, a retired army colonel, darling man, his pictures have been used by scammers to make thousands of profiles. They changed the name, but his picture has been used. And now women are calling his family, his wife, and saying, your husband's cheating on you. He's in an affair with me. And he's like, I don't know what to do. The Department of Defense can't get them off Facebook. Facebook won't even get the stuff off Facebook. and It's just it's it's ruining people's lives. And the other thing that happens after a woman has been scammed by someone that she sees, if she finds him, then she starts going after him. You know, she starts to stalk him. Well, that's a crime. So now you've gone from being a victim to being a criminal yourself. So back off, realize until you and this is we need to uh, set our settings our privacy settings so that only your friends and family can see your pictures. The world, unless you're public, like we are, the world does not need to see all your stuff, right? They don't. And we talked about this earlier about pictures of our children and our grandchildren. My kids said, mom, don't, 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 which they said to me in the scam and I did, 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 but I don't put pictures of my grandkids out there. The reason for this, is I know we all want to brag about our kids and our grandkids scammers, take pictures of our children and grandchildren and they create family scenarios happened to me and my in my scam there was the guy who lost his wife there was his sister his little son his dog his attorney they build these families because they know is important to us Wow, it's all a scam the whole story is made up so you don't don't believe any of this stuff and it's even The reason why uh, I was talking about the video, I don't know that we talked about it, but you and I did earlier. I originally didn't videotape my show. When I interviewed the colonel, he said, the scammers can take what I say and change the words. That's concerning. But if you think about it, we've been on Netflix for the last three years, two years, and my husband and I watch a lot of shows that, series that were done over in, say, Iceland or Norway or something. And we're hearing English, but if you really look at their lips, they're speaking in their own language. But the brain thinks that they're they're speaking English. We think that they're, they're saying English. They're not. So if you imagine you're looking at a handsome man, and he's talking to you, your brain is saying, he's saying he loves me, he's saying that I'm beautiful, he's saying this, and he could be saying who knows what he would be saying because i've I've had people say well i skyped him i looked i saw his picture your brain is compensating for what you want it to think what Mm. you want him to be saying and it it is it's tough and we're growing up in this virtual world our children grandchildren are growing up in this virtual world with no training and no protecting you know i was talking with dr tim mcginnis who's the founder of scars and he said deb if you think about it when we were little younger not little 16. To drive a car, you had to have driver's training. You had to have a manual. You have to wear a seat belt. We toss our kids online with zero training on how to protect themselves. Right. That's a problem. And it starts with us, grandma and grandpa, great grandmas, my parents. And then it goes down to our kids and our grandchildren just like I say, beware and be aware, just know what's out there. And don't just trust, blindly trust people you see and hear and online, because there's a lot of bad people out there pretending to be good. Yeah.
0: And they take, a, you know, if we want to be trusting. And, and like you said, they want us to fall for that facade because we are compassionate people and so forth. And it's not safe. and And so we have to operate in a high level of discernment. And even with discernment, you can still be deceived. And so, um, you know, I would never, you know, knowing you now, I would never in a million years think that this intelligent, bright woman would ever fall for that. So when I look at you in this situation, I'm so grateful that you did not keep your mouth shut, that you said, "Okay, enough is enough, because you're giving other women permission to stand up and say, this is not okay." because up until then, people, it'll just keep happening. It's just like, you know, a hidden uh, addiction with like drugs or alcohol, you know, where the family, you know, covers everything up. Nobody wants to talk about it, keeps a secret. And then all of a sudden, you know, there are other people, they're covering up that same thing because the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment and all of that. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, it's people like you that are courageous to say, hey, yes, this happened, but it
1: doesn't have to happen to you. And it doesn't define you, you know, we we all make missteps, not mistakes, but they're missteps. And uh, we just have to use them for good. And there's a there's a lot of training that needs to be done. Law enforcement, is, is if you look back at where domestic violence was 30, 40 years ago, and a woman walked in with a black eye, they would say, go home and be nicer to your spouse, to your yes. hubby. Today, you walk in with a black eye, and they immediately go and arrest them. So there's, there's when, when we send in our victims to the police department, the police don't know what to do because first off they can't get your money back and so we've trained them to, we, we have a training process where we say you're not going in to get your money back they can't help you there you're going in to get a police report number so that in your state you might be able to qualify for some sort of assistance victims assistance you know it's the first step to taking your control back and you need to talk to an advocate not just the guy the desk guy there are there are things that i've learned over the years how to really take what has happened because it's going to happen. And there are people that are listening that are probably saying, oh, yep, it happened to me Uh, instead of hiding and not saying anything because the scammers are laughing their way to the bank. It's time to stand up and speak up and be the one for someone else. Yes, it happened to you. Yes, it was devastating. Yes, you know, you might have given away all of your retirement money and you're 65 and thinking, oh, my gosh, how am I going to make it anymore? Well, I had this discussion with someone the other day. At 62, 65 years old, my my parents are in their late 80s and 90s. I got another 30 years to go. There is time to recover. Every gazillionaire has either declared bankruptcy or has had you know lost everything they had, and it's what you do with that that makes the difference. And that's why I, when I got to the point where I realized this was not about me, it's about one more woman not either not getting involved or knowing that she's not alone and realizing that she can get through this because I'm there for her now. And scars is there. And we've got organizations, therapists, trauma therapists are there. People are there to help, but if we don't speak up, we'll never know. And you're just hurting yourself. You'll never recover from this. If you hide. I'm
0: so grateful for you and the other advocates. Can you talk a little bit more about SCARS? Because I love the organization itself. Share with the viewers of, uh, and I put the website up here, I believe, is it it anyscam.com? Is that the website?
1: Anyscam.com is if you've been scammed and you want to report it, go to anyscam.com. Romancescamsnow.com is the SCARS official uh, education site. We call it, it's really the encyclopedia of everything and anything you want to know. We have webinars there. We have uh, articles written by Dr. McGinnis there. Uh, the Three Steps for Victims is there. And that's the first place you go. It's very positive. I mean, there are, there are a lot of anti-scammer groups out there. They spend a lot of time in the negative realm. They're very vengeful. They're looking for retaliation. It's And we've talked about the mugshots. Don't waste your time with that. You've already had enough negative go on in your life. Right. Find something positive. Find a support group that will really support you at, because they know it. Our it's all volunteers, volunteer run, and everybody that is a that is in the support group is is someone that's been scammed. But I'm I've been there, for, you know, a few years. But I'm the one that's been in this thing for ten years. We have people that have been there for two months. Gotcha. What's that website again romance scams now.com. and that's the the scars website scars again is the society of citizens against relationship scams not romance scams relationship scams because there's the business email compromise there are all sorts yes. of financial scams now and it's relationships you know social engineering that is they learned it when they when we when we outsourced call centers, if you think about this, all these years ago, we outsourced call centers to India, to Nigeria, to well, those have been taken over by very well trained salespeople who we would call organized criminals. And they know what they're doing. Don't be don't think that that they're uneducated, you know. Right broadsters, they are well educated, they have playbooks, they buy them, they sell them the, the whole dark web. They're so far uh, advanced as far as you know what they know, and they have a ton of money. This is trillions of dollars. You know, When you see numbers reported in the media, take that times 100, because it's really only one out of 100 victims that is speaking up. Right. And victims will tell you initially that, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I report it or not, because the FBI doesn't do anything. I used to believe that until I went to a court case. There was a a scammer being sentenced. He's a felon now. He's being sentenced in Dallas in federal court. And when I saw the case that the FBI had put together over time, 88 victims, 11 wrote impact statements, and one showed up one out of 88, and I was there, she was a friend of mine. I was there with her. I was so impressed by the the forensics, the fi- foreign, financial forensics that the FBI did, but it broke my heart that 88 older folks, and they were actually, the guy had m- more time put on his sentence than originally thought by the prosecutors because the judge saw that this was a crime against the elderly. Yes. And elderly in this case is anybody over 60. And it was so devious, you know, and sitting there with the guy, it was the first time we felt like we had as victims had a little bit of power because the criminal was sitting there in an orange jumpsuit with handcuffs. And when my friend stood up to give her victim impact statement, his attorney was trying to distract him by talking. My friend stopped, looked at the judge and says, I'm here to talk to him. Mm. She took her power back. He looked at her, she told him now he has a face with what happened so it could have been his grandmother for all we knew he turned around before she left and he said i'm sorry now i don't know if he's sorry because he got caught i know he has a son somewhere and he's you know now he was sentenced to 14 years ice was sitting right beside us because he'd come into the united states and married an american under false pretenses so they were ready to deport him I mean, there's so much going on. There's money laundering involved in this stuff. And it, it's just in addition to the wrenching of the heart is it is a national defense issue, I think, because of yes. all this money that is leaving here and going over there to fund terrorism, Boko Haram, trafficking, all these insidious things that we would never contribute to. Right. Never, you know. And when my kids found out, I was like, guys, I did not send money to a man in Nigeria. My guy was in London. He was an international businessman from London. Little did I know that he was a fraudster, a criminal from Nigeria who was pretending to be this handsome guy from England. So just be aware that it's happening and get it out of your mind that it'll never happen to you because you have to be vigilant in knowing what's going on out there. Pause. It's like grandma used to say, sleep on it. You know, if it looks too good to be true, step back, get another friend to give you an opinion. Uh, It's like clicking in your computer. We get so busy looking through emails. We click, click, click. And like Netflix is saying your account's been compromised. So you click on it, boom. Malware, phishing, something, you know, slow down when you're online and just protect your heart, protect your finances. If anybody asks you for money, no. Vet them. You know, if it's an organization like your church or I give to organizations, know who they are, right? You know, never give. We hardly give a dollar to the guy that's on the street. But can you imagine giving ten thousand dollars to the man on the street or a million dollars to someone that you don't know? I, I don't know how I did that. You know, I'm one of those. What I They used to call me that damn Yankee. Right. I didn't give money away to anybody, but he was my family. I thought he was. And that's when I did it. When I do it again probably not. I could use that money in the bank for my grandkids right now, but the lesson I learned was priceless. Yes. But only because I realized that this is a bigger issue than what happened to me and all together, I can't do this alone. We have to do this together as sisters and brothers and family members to protect our family members and protect our friends because they're going to get us one way or the other. They're very good. If there's something good out there, there's a scammer that's going to take advantage of it. So just be careful.
0: The level of lawlessness out there is just, I'm just befuddled
1: by it. So in your case, your person was never caught. No, and honestly, I I wouldn't know if he was. And I don't care because that young man that's in Dallas, that was good enough for me. Right. They are catching them because they're getting more brazen. There are more scammers here in the United States now. and they're coming here and they're, they're setting up organizations here where they'll get money. They'll receive money. And they'll, for instance, the guy in Dallas, he had a car company, he bought used cars. So now take this money comes in to him. He goes and buys a car. He takes that car and sends it to Nigeria. Nigeria gets it, sells the car. All that money that came into Dallas is now in Nigeria and it's been washed. It's all clean money over there. And the, the reason the scammers are getting caught in Nigeria is not because they're scamming us, it's because they're not paying taxes and it's tax evasion. So when they show up, you can imagine these guys that are wearing this gold jewelry and they're flashing money everywhere and they're living in not very nice places. There's a disconnect here, you know? And so until then, until the EFCC, which is the Nigerian financial group, when they get serious about it, when the Ghanaian folks get serious, the Indians, the Americans, when when law enforcement really gets serious about this, when the tax people get serious about it, then maybe it'll change. But until it starts with us, it starts with the very first yes. person that was taken. Unless the victim speaks up, we'll never get the ball rolling. Wow. And I know it's so difficult because you're ashamed of what you did. The only thing you did wrong was say yes to a friend request. Right. The scammers took over from there. So it's don't do so question.
0: It is it's heartbreaking when you think about it. But, you know, in your situation, it was, it's like what I refer to as a Romans eight twenty eight thing that, you know, God will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And now your pain is your purpose. And you're, you know, uh, I love what you said. Say it again. Not a mistake, a misstep. Is that what you said? It was a
1: misstep and we all make
0: missteps. Absolutely. That's, that's great. And I absolutely, I'm absolutely so grateful you took so much time with us today. And I definitely want to have you back because we can talk so much more about this. I'd like to talk a lot about uh, what's going on with the teens. I wrote a blog the other day I shared with you. I am very concerned about uh, not just the scammers out there, but just social media, them getting potentially trafficked Um, You know, because there's so much going on out there and their self image is getting um, really disturbing how they twisted their self image because they're getting all these dopamine releases when they get their likes and their hearts and they're starting their identity is under attack. And so already with a low self image and their identity under attack, they are very Open to someone saying, "You're so pretty. There's no one like you. I wish I could, you know, be there with you, but we'll just be friends online. And then before you know it, you know, there there's sextortion going on, or there's this or that and the other, and it's really concerning. But yet, people like you, Debbie, are sounding the alarm. So if you could leave the audience with a key, what would that key be? And I know you've got a whole keychain of them. Uh, <laughs> but the big one today,
1: big I'll have you back. The big one today is beware and be aware mm-hmm. and, and and if you've been taken my other thing is stand up and speak up it gives yes. you great power from within Amen. and you're not alone you're just absolutely not alone and and that's i appreciate everything you're doing maggie to, to get this message out and uh, and i will continue to speak up and like you said move forward <laughs> gotta move forward Absolutely. I am all about moving forward. And I want you guys to go to
0: the womanbehindthesmile.com. Debbie's got books. She is a keynote speaker. She has a wealth of information and resources. You know, this SCARS is such a, an amazing uh, thing. And we need to be aware because it's not just on Facebook. It's not just on dating websites. Now it's in the email. And I shared with Debbie a, a couple months back that I literally fell. right to one. It was early in the morning. Um, I had picked up my phone and I had a notification, and it said that my Norton account, okay, had been compromised. And for one split second, I was like, oh, snap, man, I can't believe this. I'm waking up to this. I went directly to my computer without coffee. That right there's a no-no. Without prayer, that's a double no-no. And had not prayed, had not had my coffee, sat down, and I called the number on that email. And the guy said, are you at your computer? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm at my computer. I'm looking at this. I, you know, It says that my account is getting ready to deduct X amount of money. And they're, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, do this. And he started instructing me. And I was like, wait a minute. Who are you with again? And he says, I'm with Norton. And I said, how did you verify my account with you? And he stopped and I said, you are a fraud and I'm reporting you right now, you know? And I get these all the time where I'll get like these duplicate friend requests, especially a messenger. And it will say, hey, Maggie, have you heard about this? Or, hey, Maggie, how you been? And they're pictures of my friends. And immediately I'm sending a voice message, hey, someone scammed you or, or, you know, stole your identity and I report them. Thank goodness social media is starting to add some features like that. They're not doing enough by any means. Let me just say that they're not doing enough, but they do have that where impersonating a person, then you can report them. And I know we're out of time, but Debbie, is that, do you see a lot of that stuff going on? I do, and actually
1: mine was, and I reported it and then they shut my real one down. Oh, no, I I don't trust that at all. It's just be careful. You don't need a lot of followers. You don't need a lot of friends because, like we said before, only 20 or 25. are really seeing what's going on. So engage with your friends. If you don't know that person and they send a friend request and they have a mutual friend, call your mutual friend up and say, hey, do you know this person? Because like we said, the African ones. I had a couple of girls that were doing good work over in Africa, but they were accepting all these friend requests and I'm looking at those requests because, oh my gosh, those are scammers, scammer, scammer, scammer. They're not checking their friend requests. They're just accepting. Don't accept friend requests from people that you don't know. You don't need them. You don't need them.
0: Yeah, actually, I just put a tool up on my Facebook page today. It is a tool that you can go in and remove people that are inactive and things like that, just to kind of weed it out. And I because I never know if someone heard the broadcast or seen that. And I used to like, accept, 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 except for the guys in uniform, I knew right away, I was like, No, or, you know, if they were, I, yeah, if I had no mutual friends, and I am uh, an admin on a couple groups, and we have some very strict rules uh, if they just opened an account and all of a sudden you know you would be amazed how many men will try to get into a christian women's group
1: absolutely they're
0: looking ridiculous at good women with good hearts it's awful 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 and so you know you just you can't be too careful so you guys heard it right here on keys your best life debbie said beware but also be aware. And that is something right there that we need to do in everything that we do. Whether you're parking your car at night somewhere in the city, or whether you're getting online, we have to use, we're living in a different digital age, and there are some crazy people out there. So Debbie, thank you so much. I can't wait to have you back to talk about all of this more. And y'all check out her book, check out her website, the resources, make sure you go to SCARS. And if you have been a victim, you are not alone you're not alone. That's why I speak so boldly about my destructive and dysfunctional and, you know, past is because I want people to know that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there and don't hide behind your shame. It'll smother you and let your pain become a purpose like Debbie did. So Debbie, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Megan. I really appreciate being here. I love it. I love it. God bless you guys. We'll see you here next time. on Keys to your best life.